Hey everyone, we're here on ExtraScribe Radio with the founder of the Institute of Human Performance, Juan Carlos Santana. Welcome, JC. Thank you. Thank you very much. So just to get started, could you tell the audience a little bit about you and your background? Uh, yes. Um, my name is Juan Carlos Santana. I'm the uh, CEO of the Institute of Human Performance. Um, I've uh, published over 70 DVDs and books, I've uh, done over 300 seminars worldwide, and who knows how many articles, 250 articles. I've had the great pleasure and honor of uh, training some of the elite individuals on the planet from SEAL Team 6 all the way to Cirque du Soleil, uh, FBI, CIA, Marines, Army, uh, MMA fighters, uh, you name it. They've, they've been through IHP. So uh, it's surreal sometimes as to the route that my career has taken me. Uh, I'm Cuban-born, came to the United States when I was seven, and to think that uh, a young Cuban boy uh, many, many years ago in the United States was going to get to travel Russia and Thailand and Singapore and China and Argentina, Canada, and all these wonderful places in shorts, you know, shorts and a shirt, you know, not even not even a, a, a tie or a suit, you know. Uh, it's quite amazing. And I've gotten uh, the chance to meet some really, really wonderful people that have mentored me along the way and uh, that have set the path for all of us. To, uh, to walk in the uh, footsteps of giants, you know, so very, very fortunate, very, been uh, very involved with the NSCA for almost the last 20 years, have held uh, numerous offices, including the vice presidency, uh, two-time uh, board of directors, conference committee, conference committee chair, um, and uh, the state director. So been involved with the educational process. Uh, I'm getting my PhD. I'm on the uh, lifelong path. So I think I'll be getting my PhD when my kids start attending college, you know, pull a, <laughs> nice. I'm going to pull a Rodney Dangerfield on them, you know, back to school. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. attend the same classes they're attending just to, just to spite them, you know? <laughs> so, so that's about it, you know, in a, in a, in a nutshell, I, I like you and like everybody that's been in this field, you know, I've always loved human movement, always loved athletics, was involved in athletes since, you know, I was uh, six, seven years old with T-ball, I was never an elite athlete in terms of world class, but I got to the state and national level in five different sports and competed till I was 46. So I had a long, long, long athletic career. And during that time is not the level at which I competed, but who I trained with. And so, you know, training with the likes of Jeff Munson, Roddy Ferguson, uh, which are combat, um, you know, icons, uh, all of the guys from the American top team, um, you know, uh, Mike Flynn from the Baltimore Ravens, Kadri Ishmael from the same team, and so on and so forth, you know, training pound for pound and set per set with some of the elite monsters. I didn't compete at the high level, but boy, did I train at the highest level. So I've got two artificial hips to show for it. <laughs> <laughs> so who are some of these mentors that you said you had over the years? Um well, you know, uh, my wrestling coach, Andy Siegel, from when I was, you know, back 14, 15 years of age, he kind of set the tone for discipline. You know, uh, Cuban, of course, I like rice and I liked all the starches. And when the first time he told me that I couldn't eat rice, that I was on a meat and, and, and vegetable diet, I'm like, like, are you crazy? You know, uh, so he taught me the discipline of, of grinding multiple sessions a day and, and being basically overworked and underfed. Of course, my dad, he's, he's my hero. So though that's, uh, that's a big, big, big mentor of mine. But in the industry, uh, Gary Gray, Vern Gambetta, 
Paul Check, uh, Michael Clark, uh, Greg Cook, um, you know, Mike Boyle, all these, uh, some of them are, are more colleagues than mentors, but specifically Gary Gray stands out over all of them. Uh, not that he's the most important, but he kind of, he, he kind of caught me at the right time with the right topic and just blew me up. Stu McGill from the scientific community, Dr. Kramer, Dr. Stone, Dr. Fry, all those guys, Lee Brown from Fullerton. So, you know, I have, like I said, I've, I've had the chance to meet such wonderful, wonderful giants, giants in the field that, um, talk to me at the right time, had the right influence to, to uh, make my career what it is today, you know? So I'm very fortunate, you know, like, uh, outliers. It's not only the, the willingness to, to work your 10,000 hours or, or your, or your, or your 10 years, but it's the luck that you have to be at the right place at the right time. So the 10 years means something or the 10,000 hours means something, you know? Exactly. So I, I, I'm an outlier because of the great people that were in my life at the right time. And what was the topic? You said that Gary Gray came in at the right time. What Functional was- training. Functional training, you know. Um, I've always been a martial artist, so I've been functional all my life since since I was eight years old. So I've always been, you know, since you're kicking and you're doing all this tai chi and you're doing all these multi level mar- uh, multi level movements and um, you're you're triplanar loading because in order to punch, in order to 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 defend, in order to attack, you have to learn how to use gravity, momentum, inertia, all that. You got to become familiar with all that. That's those are your tools. So in, in, inevitably, I'm a functional monster. My DNA is function. But then in the 70s, when I get involved in the uh, weightlifting portion, what happens in the 70s? Well, the bodybuilding revolution with pumping iron in 1977, that's my high school graduation. So during the, the 73, 74, 75, that, that, it's coming strong. Dave Draper, um, Franco Colombo, uh, Corny, all these guys are just Booming and booming and booming, and all of a sudden the movie comes out. So bodybuilding becomes cool, and everybody takes off on the bodybuilding. And you got to remember, Nautilus and and and, and um, Universal are now just coming out in the late sixties, early seventies. So it coincides again. Outliers. It coincides. Machines are coming out. Bodybuilders are getting bigger because of the machines. Okay, and of course. The nutrition and, you know, minimal steroids, because at that time it was just purely base, basically decadurabalin and dianabol pills. They weren't even doing injectables at that time. They didn't even know about that stuff, basically. And a, a lot of lifting and a lot of eating and a lot of protein. So, of course, between the time that Nautilus and Universal comes out and the time that pumping iron explodes, you have all this beautiful stuff happening Gold's Gym, World's Gym coming online. So all the, these things are generating, and we took off into the, into the lifting. Gary Gray and Vern Gambetta always stood on the ground of function. They never got away. They never followed the bodybuilding culture. I did. I was very impressionable at the time. Luckily, I stayed competing in, in martial arts, in wrestling, in judo, in Muay Thai, so I always had I, had, I had to come back to function. So that was my luck. But those of us, those, those people that were not involved in the martial arts um, and took off into bodybuilding, some of them never came back. And, and they, did, they weren't part of that whole functional thing. Well, I 
com- I combined both, but I didn't know I was combining both. And I compartmentalized everything. Well, martial arts training is over there. Speed agility quick- quickness training is over there. And then, of course, you had your all your sports-specific training, soccer and track and all that, over there. And then you have what you do in the gym, right? Gary Gray is the guy who tells me, no, 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 no. All that other stuff belongs in the gym. Because all that other stuff is function. And the weight training is cool, too, if you need to change your morphology. And for some general stuff, it's great. So Gary Gray was the first one that opened the door and said, no, 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 no. There's no rules here. It's all good. You just have to systemize it where it makes sense. Bam. Then functional training, breaking the bonds of traditionalism came in the following year. And that was my... my um, my flagship product that sent me into the world of, of lectures and, and, um, and uh, writing and authorship, you know? That's awesome. It seems like functional training is a big buzzword lately, but some trainers seem to be taking it too far. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, all you got to do is go to YouTube, man. You know, <laughs> the functional patterns, Naudi Aguilar, and some of the other people that are just, I mean, they've lost their minds. They've lost their minds, you know? And you know, some um, Paul Check added to that. Paul Check is a brilliant guy, but you know he's he's a guy of extremes, and he's on the he's always on the envelope. And when you're on the envelope, half the stuff that you're pushing is going to end up being crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't know it's crazy because you're at the envelope. Exactly. You're cutting. You're cutting. You're cutting. You're you don't even know if you're cutting good or cutting bad. You're just you're just at the edge there. You know, and and it's people that come behind you that ones that sort it out. The people who are at the envelope, their job is just to shake the world up and and drive into a direction that's never been driven into before. Usually, they end up kind of like the crazies. Half their stuff is wrong. The other half is pioneering, you know. Uh, so Paul Check, you know, stood on the ball and did uh, you know 135 pound squat on the on the stability ball. Then Mark Verstegen followed him, and he made the cover of the uh, Smithsonian Magazine back in. 94, 95, you know, and I was going, you know, this is insane. I did uh, a 300 exercise volume stability ball, two volume uh, DVD, the, the first ones of its kind. And um, I never stood on the ball and I could stand on the ball, but I never stood on the ball because I didn't want a young trainer that was impressionable trying to do that. And I just got into an argument with a buddy of mine that posted something like that in, in his site as a display of, of balance. I go, well, why didn't you put Cirque du Soleil? If you're really going to put a display of balance, don't put somebody on, on standing on top, of, on top of a stability ball doing battling ropes. I go, number one, yeah, it's good. It's good for the average person, but a high-level balance athlete can do it. So it's not that crazy. You want crazy – you know, show Cirque du Soleil, a one-arm handstand on a head while the bo- guy on the bottom is doing a two-arm plange. You know, you know. now that's insane stuff. If we're going to show insane stuff, let's show really insane. I said, what you're doing is you're showing an insane display of balance, but you don't have any disclaimers. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not functional training. This is insane stuff. Should not be tried. It just shows a big display of balance. You didn't, you didn't say that. And you posted it on a, on, on a website that is, um, advertising an upcoming TV show where America's best trainer is going to be selected. 
So by implication and by association, you're saying this should be tried or you're lending yourself to that. I said, I won't be any part of that. I said, I told him, I'm not, I'm not going to be part of it. And wherever that shows up, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come with, with six guns a blazing. It, it's stupid. It's stupid. So some of these guys are just um, feeding off of um, very, very naive, uh, a naive population that lives on YouTube and doesn't know the difference between good and bad. Yeah. So they go, wow, that's great. Uh, what do you mean it's great? It's going to hurt most people that try it and absolutely does nothing for it, N nothing for anything. So I go, okay, you have a great display of balance. And what does that mean? Does that mean that this guy can play better tennis? Does that mean this guy can pick up his children without back pain? Does that mean that this guy's going to win any competition in any sport? No, it means nothing. So what are you showing? You know, one, one, you know show a rainbow. <laughs> it's a lot more miraculous and much more complex than this. <laughs> That's true. So if you're just showing something for the sake of showing it, I didn't think you showed something that spectacular. You know, show show a lunar eclipse, something that happens once every 134 years. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Instead of this monkey on, on top of a stability ball doing battle ropes. <laughs> it's 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 crazy, man. It's crazy. It's, you know, the whole idea of balance is crazy. We don't even know what balance does. We don't even know what it does. We don't even know what it does. We don't even know how it does it. So but we do know that you don't need balance to bat. You don't need balance for a golf game, and you don't even need balance for surfing. Go get go, think of that one. You don't even need balance to ride a bike. You don't need balance to skate in terms of what you're doing in a in a gym. Of course, you need balance, but that balance is learned when you're two, three, four years old, or that balance is learned within the first two years of attempting a balance dominated sport. Once that balance is acquired, you're done. Now it's time to apply forces, and you don't get applied forcing, uh, uh, applying force from a balanced state, because mm -hmm. balance teaches disassociation of the human body. The hips go to the right, the upper body has to go to the left to counterbalance and stay on the on the on the you know on the on the base of support. Well, when you bat, when you golf, when you punch, when you run, you need direct association between one joint and the other joint. So you need to cross forces across stiff bridges that are connected, not soft bridges that are disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so true. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's insane. It's like specificity. I, I could have sworn I read that that was like the predominant principle of training, specificity. So standing on a stability ball has what to do with anything. Specific yeah. to what? It's exactly. not even specific to surfing. The feet are not in the right way. They're totally wrong. Weight distribution is totally wrong. And the force transfer is totally wrong. So I don't understand the concept. If, uh, you know, I'm a simple guy. Specificity says you adapt like you train. Or you, the adaptations you get are very specific to the the way you, you train and you should train very close to what you want to do in real life because there's your transfer. Okay. What does standing on a stability ball have anything to do with anything? 
You know, exactly. now, if you want to stand on one leg on a BOSU ball and you want to uh, make an argument that you're running cross country or that you trail run and that you need this and you need that, you know, you need volleyball and you play volleyball, uh, beach volleyball. I'm going. All right. All right. But let me ask you this. How much beach volleyball are you practicing on the sand? And do you really need more in the gym? You're spending an hour in the gym. You're spending two hours on the sand. Hello. If you're running trails every day, I don't need to stand you on a stability ball, on a BOSU ball. I need to align a single leg, get you aligned, get your hip to stabilize, get your core to fire, get all that whole thing stiff, go from right leg to left arm really, really hard, and then, and, and then you know, give you the keys and let you take it for a test run. That's all I need to do. Yeah, that's so, right. That's the whole uh, craziness that we're seeing on functional training. It just has nothing to do with anything, and it's a bunch of sud and no beer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? And people can do it if people are drinking beer, beer in a in a metal stein. <laughs> <laughs> My job is to pour the beer on a glass so they can see how much suds there is. And how little beer there is. And I'm not even a beer drinker, but it's a great analogy, man. You know, <laughs> all of these analogy. people is just suds. <laughs> and and people on the internet buy it because they're suds in a in a metal stein. You can't see what's inside. It's it's a mystery. <laughs> Our jobs as professionals, you with this show and me with whatever platform I have, is to no no no, wait a minute, no, 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 no. You want suds, then let's put this thing in a glass mug and so everybody can see how much beer there is and how much suds there is. Done. Now now, now we're at a level playing field. People can make an informed decision there. I like that. That's a good analogy. <laughs> it's funny. because we'll I have to drink beer to that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I had this epiphany the other day. I was working out and I saw someone standing on a BOSU doing curls. Yeah, I think he had the BOSU um, dome side down. And it's interesting because a lot of people associate the BOSU ball or the Swiss ball with balance training. But your real balance system is your vestibular system, your inner ear. And in this guy's case, and, and I'm sure a lot of other people's case, when you stand on that BOSU ball, what happens? Well, your neck locks up. And when your neck is stiff, your head doesn't really have much movement. And if your head doesn't have much movement, you're not really stimulating that vestibular system. I mean, the guy was very, very rigid and he was very immobile. So it's very. It seemed counterintuitive. It almost seems like balance training really isn't balance training. You know what? I mean, the vestibular system. Number one can be argued. Number one, that's the amount of stiffness of the of the neck could be argued. And I don't like to get into gray area arguments where somebody who likes to nitpick can kill me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I was a researcher or if I wanted to uh, condo uh, condone the, the the thing, I would say, all right. So, um, well, you know, how, how much was the neck locked up? How do you know? And if it's locked up and the shoulders are moving, the head's still moving. And so the vestibular system can be, you know, they start with a and they kill you and they kill you with, with the one research and the, and the big afferent motor patterns. And, you know, they kill you with that. And I don't, I don't lend myself to that kind of argument because it's like arguing Santa Claus with a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to the big, big logic. Okay, what is the exercise for? Exactly. I'm going to kill you there. I'm going to let you, I'm going to put the chair and let you stand on it. Then I'm going to give you a noose, let put it around your neck. Then I'm going to point to a two by four so you can wrap that thing around. You know, I'm going to let you choke yourself. 
So I'm going, what's the exercise for? Sooner or later, somebody's going to say what? Core or balance? <laughs> That's the only thing they can say. Okay, what are you trying to do to the core? Most people, A, don't know what the core really is. B, much less the functions of the core. And it's real simple. Two functions, what are they? Uh, you know, maybe now many are going to the whole, I don't know, protection. and, and Okay, so ask them, protection for what? And, and when? Do I need protection when I sleep? No, I'm laying down. So when do I need protection? And I can take them to the water. Well, I, I need protect. I, 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 well, now they get stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, you need protection for what? What do you need protection for? You need protection under high force generations, don't you? You need protection to walk around and breathe? Not much. You need more protection to walk around and breathe or to pick up a kid? To pick up a kid. Ah, you need more protection to pick up a kid or pick up a sofa? Sofa. And now you need more protection to pick up a sofa or wrestle? And you can take them to the water. Mm-hmm. So when do we need protection? Under high force generations. What dumbbells are you using? 15s, 10s, because you can't use anything else. How much force is your core seeing? Does that mimic picking up a kid? Does that mimic clinching in a fight? Does that mimic anything, even groceries with feet on the ground? Does that mimic that? No. So what are you doing? Exactly. Now I got them. I got them. Yeah. So it's protection and force transfer. When you're an in on, a, on an imbalance or instable environment, you can't transfer forces. And if you can't transfer forces from hips to shoulders, you're not doing core training. Period. End of story. Rest my case. Goodbye. C- conversation's over. Exactly. You know, as the little thing said, sit there and be wrong. <laughs> sit there in your wrongness and feel what it is to feel wrong because you're done. There's no more if or buts about anything. Exactly. So, so you can't, and so you think, so balance, okay, balance, what's balance? What's the difference between balance and stability? Now you got them. Most mm-hmm. people can't answer that question. That's right. So balance is a stable state. Okay, manipulating forces to create a stable state. Okay, stability is the resistance against unwanted motion and a stable state, not creating, not manipulating. It's a stable state. Okay, so if I'm stable, am I balanced? By definition, I am. If I'm balanced, am I stable? By definition, you don't know. And by definition, usually not. So then I give them the pyramid. Is the pyramid stable on its base? Yeah. Can you do anything? Can you fire a cannon from the from, from that position? Absolutely. Anywhere on that pyramid. I can jump. I can put a cannon. I can build a house. Now take the same pyramid, balance it on its point. Can you do anything from there? You can't even stand somebody. You can't fire a cannon. You can't build a home. Why? Because it's balanced but not stable. Okay. Where do you want to bat from? Where do you want to play golf from? Where do you want to fight from? Where do you want to pick up your kids from? Exactly. Back to specificity, you kill them again. So they got nowhere to run. The, the only place they have to run is yippity yappity yip, some, some obscure research with some big words that they can use on YouTube when nobody can question them. Because mm-hmm. they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> no, as soon as somebody starts using seven-syllable words, you know that they can't train on the gym floor. Exactly. You got them. Because any good coach 
is going to use analogies like motorcycles, bicycles, you know, and so on and so forth. And this is another thing that, that most people don't even real. everybody experiences it. Nobody realizes it. In sports and in life in general, physics takes care of most of the balance. Mm -hmm. Okay. The balance for an activity is learned during the skill hungry years to the point where that skill is taken out of the equation because it's, it's subcortical. So in other words, by the time a surfer is called a surfer, getting on a surfboard is not an issue. Getting on the surfboard is an issue for the person learning to surf. He's not a surfer. He's learning to surf. Once a person says, I'm a surfer, now it's negotiating certain waves. It's not getting on the board. It's can you can you negotiate short breakers, big breakers, big waves, little waves, you know, those types. Can you negotiate big waves with a little with a little board and vice versa, small, small waves with a big board? Can you do tricks? That's different. Mm -hmm. And the determining factor on that is force generation. It ain't balance. But if you look at um, a, high, a hockey skater, a figure skater, I mean, they're on a little blade like this. So people go, wow, do you know the amount of balance? I go, yeah, it's about the same amount of balance that, you know, uh, that uh, Lance Armstrong needs to ride a bike. Zero. Exactly. They learned that, they learned that at four years of age. Mm -hmm. Never had to balance again. Now, is it faster to, is it easier to, to balance a bike really slow or standing still or the faster you go? Anybody who's taught a little kid how to ride a bike knows that you got to push the little guy. You got to get him running and then boom, because physics centripetal force, uh, uh, gyrational forces, um, and tangential acceleration, all of these different physical qualities help to stabilize a moving object. That's why you can balance a ball as soon as you spin it. But if you don't spin that ball, you can't balance it on your finger. So physics takes so much of the balancing that when you look at a picture, you go, oh, my God, but they're moving. Mm -hmm. And movement balances uh, a moving object. That movement, the physics of movement balances a moving object. Exactly. So, again, you don't have to deal with balance in the gym. You deal with force transfers. Yeah. Yeah. So right. once you start understanding those concepts, which are like nobody's going to deny the basketball thing. Nobody's going to deny riding a bike. Nobody's going to deny any of that. I mean, tell a, a, an elite surfer to balance his board, stand on his board and balance it in three feet of water with no, with no waves or in a pool. He can't do it. Exactly. Can't do it. Put him on a wave and watch what happens. Why? For the same reason that most people can't balance a bike standing still. But if you let them go at three, four, five miles an hour, voila, we got, you know, we got ignition. So those are the concepts of functional training that pretty much explain themselves and explain the insanity that's going on right now.